Before we get started, would you please bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, would you work today? We are all coming into this room with different types of baggage, different types of joys, and I pray that you would help us to just cast that aside, to be open to your word. Lord, would you do a work in our hearts? Would you help us hear your word and hear your truth? And as the worship team is saying that your presence is like heaven, Lord, I pray that we would enjoy that this morning and enjoy your presence as a congregation. Thank you for every single person in this room and tuning in on the live stream. Thank you for the work that you're doing in their lives and through their lives. And Lord, would you continue to just be glorified by your people, Lord. Humble us. Help us here. Thank you for who you are and that we get to worship you today. Amen. Thank you again, worship team. I think that song selection was just perfect um, in so many ways. And I was kind of frustrated because I was like, I'm about to preach. I don't need all these worship tears coming right now. But there they are. I'm going to bring my authentic self today. So hello. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Joanne. My husband, Scott, and I have been attending MAC for almost eight years now. Um, I serve as a deaconess, a member of the Women's Leadership Council, and I'm really excited to be here today. This morning, there will be a couple of times where I ask you to write something down. So be ready to do that. It can be on your phone, or if you're here in person, there are pieces of paper in the bins beside you. Uh, this will be a little bit interactive today. So be ready for that. And I will start with a story. So there was this one time back when I was a teenager in Seattle. And I was with two of my friends, and we were driving back from a faraway high school basketball game late at night. When the game ended, you know, we left the gym and came outside, and it was snowing. So we ran to our cars to avoid the cold. You know, we blasted the heat, blasted the defroster, and began the 40-minute drive home. We were energetic from our team winning, and we were chatting and laughing loudly, recounting the, the events from the evening. I was the one driving, and as we turn onto the freeway, the snow begins to fall faster and faster, and our voices got quieter and quieter as the trip progressed. Before I knew it, I could barely see in front of me. The snowfall had thickened, and all I could see were my headlights. Oh were my headlights reflecting um, in the sheet of white before me. It was impossible to see. Now, I know I have some family in California tuning into this live stream. You have no idea what I'm talking about, and you cannot relate. I'm sorry. But for those of you here in Michigan, you get it, right? If you get it, say, I get it. Michigan weather can be wild. I remember for the rest of the drive, my friends and I let out a few nervous laughs, but mostly stayed silent. The anxiety in our car was palpable. And as the driver, I remember feeling so afraid and so uncertain. That was years ago. And now that I've lived in Michigan for almost a decade, my husband and I have even more stories of driving anxiously through the ice and snow. Or more recently, trying to weave around flooded roads in the aftermath of the latest thunderstorms. Michigan weather can be unpredictable and can often leave us feeling uncertain isolated and anxious. But my unfortunate confrontations with winter weather are nothing compared to the wilderness described in the Bible. That's what we're going to talk about today, is wilderness. So when you hear that word, wilderness, what comes to mind? Shout it out. Loud? 
Desert, wild. Trees, yep, yep. Sleep training your baby, what? Um, <laughs> in the Bible, the wilderness, the term wilderness is used often to describe a place that's far removed from the safety of community. So it's desolate, it's uninhabited. So think deserts, grasslands, the sort of place where it'd be difficult to survive on your own. I always think of the Lion King when Simba and Nala leave the Pride Lands and they go to the Shadowlands. Anyone else? Okay, great. Um, well, we also see examples of the wilderness when Hagar runs away from Sarah to the desert and she encounters the angel of the Lord who tells her that she'll be blessed. The Israelites, after escaping Egypt, they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses encountered God in the burning bush in the wilderness in Exodus 3. And according to Leviticus, priests were required to cast the community's sins onto a goat, which was then cast out into the wilderness. This is where we get the term scapegoat. Um, John the Baptist preached in the wilderness, and many people put their faith in God because of his ministry there. This is what we're going to talk about today, time and time again throughout Scripture. Although it can feel dangerous and uncertain, the wilderness is a place where God's people must make big spiritual decisions. And we see this in God's word. So turn with me to Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. And it starts with, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, To you I will give all this authority in their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out throughout all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So Jesus is in the wilderness, full of the Spirit, and the devil tries to tempt him. Despite being offered all the splendors of the world, the biggest kingdoms, the shiniest jewels, all the acclaim and power any human can dream of, Jesus claps back. Don't test the Lord your God. Resist the temptation and the devil leaves. Then Jesus returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and his ministry is all that people can talk about. Now, we all love the story arc of a good main character overcoming evil. I just saw the latest Marvel movie, Shang-Chi. I would definitely recommend it. Um, think of any Disney movie ever made. We love this story. Good overcomes evil, done. So it'd be really easy to read the story and think, okay, that's what I'm going to do the next time I'm tempted. I'm just going to be strong like Jesus, resist temptation, and power through until the devil leaves me alone. 
And I'll be honest, I think like this all the time. Leon talked about me turning in homework assignments. I love a good homework assignment that I can just smash and move on. Um, that's, that's me. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, it comes up too when I, I do or I think something that I know didn't honor God. And I think, okay, next time, I'll just be better. I'll just try harder. I'll do more devotions. I'll say more spiritual things. I'll be more thoughtful, more in control, more, 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 more. For my fellow perfectionists and achievers in the room, how often have you thought like this? What can I do? What can I say? Who can I be to fight temptation, to overcome the wilderness? Or maybe some of you are sitting there thinking about this story and thinking, no thanks. This sounds like too much work. I mean, that was Jesus. I'm not Jesus. I can't do it. How often have you faced a temptation or a scary situation and thought, I can't handle it. I'm just going to give in, and I'm not strong enough. I don't blame you for either the desire to be in control and just do better or the desire to give in and give up. That is so human of us. We've all faced and will continue to face some sort of wilderness. I'm thinking of recent prayer requests in our body, people dealing with chronic pain or illness. There's uncertainty around jobs, relationships. You know, our wilderness may not always look like the wilderness of the Bible, but it can certainly feel that way. So wherever you're taking notes, write this down now just for you. What wilderness are you facing? What in your life right now feels uncertain, scary, and unknown? Is it your job, your family life, your relationships? Are there physical challenges you're experiencing, mental health challenges? Are you longing for justice? Are you graduating from school and unsure of what's next? What is the wilderness in your life that makes you feel uncertain and anxious and afraid? So one part of this message that can be easy to miss, Jesus wasn't alone in the wilderness. He was full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This is crucial for understanding how the rest of the story plays out. So what does being full of the Holy Spirit mean? What does that even mean? We see this phrase, full of the Holy Spirit, or being filled by the Holy Spirit, several times in Scripture. Here are a few. In Acts, we see Tabitha, who was full of good acts and charity. Stephen was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth was filled by the Holy Spirit when she was pregnant with John the Baptist. Um, if you're familiar with the story of the Pentecost, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. And then in Acts 9, Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit and recovers his sight when Ananias lays hands on him. One specific example I love is in Acts 4. When God's people pray for boldness, the Spirit fills them and God's word goes forth. So here's the passage in Acts 4. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The Spirit can do mighty work with the people of God when we allow it to fill us. So when we look at the story of Jesus in Luke 4, we can see two main points. One, 
Jesus did not face the wilderness alone. And two, the Spirit led Jesus there. He was full of the Spirit, just as others in the Bible have been filled with the Spirit in moments when God demonstrates God's love and sovereignty. What else is interesting about this use of the word full is that the Greek word, just like the English word, is also used to mean complete or whole, just like in baskets full of loaves. The food imagery really helps it stick for me. Um, Or receiving a full reward in heaven. Jesus was whole and complete with the Spirit. And this is our understanding of the Trinity as well. A perfectly harmonious, complete relationship between God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. This wholeness is key to understanding how to navigate the wilderness. When we look at those examples in Scripture of people being filled by the Holy Spirit, they're receiving the Holy Spirit. They're under the influence of the Spirit. So the Spirit's doing the work, the people are filled by it, and then they go on to do amazing, God-honoring things. The Spirit can complete us and can empower us when it fills us, when we allow it to fill us. I should note that the Bible also mentions other things that people can be filled by. Senseless anger, jealousy, blaspheming, deceit, bitterness as some examples. So what is filling you? Is it the spirit or something else? There's a quotation from Meister Eckhart, a German theologian, where he says, God is not found in the soul by adding anything but by a process of subtraction. I'll read that again. God is not found in the soul by adding anything, but by a process of subtraction. What do you need to subtract to be filled by the Spirit, to be whole? Are you filled with shame, anger, jealousy, fear, pride, judgment, self-righteousness, people-pleasing, consumerism, prejudice, pride, an unwillingness to say sorry, a desire to see yourself praised, bitterness towards someone who's wronged you, pride. Did I mention pride? (laughs) What are you filled with right now? Are you busying yourself with church activities more than you are dwelling in the presence of the Lord? I know I've done this. Are you posting on social media about your super-Christian perspective more than you're praying for the Spirit to fill you and fill others? Guilty, too. Are you so committed to some aspect of the theology or the traditions you grew up with that you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to move in you and possibly change your mind? For a long time, I was guilty of that, too. What do you need to subtract? How do you need to be emptied in order to be filled with the Spirit? So take a moment to jot down a couple words in your notes. What are you filled with right now that's not from the Spirit? What is going on? What are you driven by? What are you led by? What are you filled with right now that is not from the Spirit? And you know what else the Spirit does? It actually leads Jesus into the wilderness. We don't have time today to unpack all the mystery of what specifically is ordained by God and what isn't, but it is important to note that sometimes the Spirit leads us into wilderness. 
Sometimes the Spirit leads us to places that feel dangerous or uncertain or scary. And sometimes the wilderness is where God makes God's name known. God did this with Hagar in the desert, Moses in the burning bush, the Israelites, and with Jesus. The Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness and declared God's sovereignty through overcoming the enemy. Now we're all led by something. And often the thing that leads us is also the thing that fills us. So if you weren't quite sure what to jot down a few moments ago, hopefully this helps a little bit. Um, if you haven't inferred by now, I'm often led by my own need to achieve and to be a good student. Um, candidly, I'm often led by my own need for others to recognize me, to express myself, to be seen as someone who's good. And even in times where I think I'm being a really good Christian, I've served a bunch of people, or I've done something really good and righteous, sometimes I'm in my head thinking, A plus Joe, you get him, girl, instead of celebrating what God has done. Is this you too? Do not be deceived. There is nothing you and I can do to make yourself more capable of braving the wilderness. You must be filled with the Spirit. Another example of wilderness that I signed up for, marriage. I got Scott's permission to talk about this, don't worry. Um, I'll, I'll be vulnerable with you here. Scott and I have faced a lot of challenges within our marriage. Say amen if you know what I'm talking about. It hasn't been easy. And often my response has been, okay, how can I fix this? What books can I read about communication? How can I work harder at our relationship? How can I do more, say more? be more. Time and time again, we've been frustrated by our inability to just fix things and have the perfect marriage. What is wrong with us, we say. And in one of our more recent disagreements, the Holy Spirit moved us to pray. And honestly, during most of our disagreements, prayer is the last thing I want to do because there are still dishes in the sink, people. But as the Spirit moved, we were both able to let go of our anger and our spite and our pride. We were able to invite the Spirit into our relationship and seek reconciliation together. Now, none of these, you know, what can I do questions are bad on their own. After all, Scott and I have read some really helpful relationship books. Actively working on our relationship is necessary. Therapy has been crucial. But these questions alone are incomplete. Only the Holy Spirit can change our hearts to navigate us through the wilderness. Only the Spirit can move in us to help us battle temptation and defeat the enemy. I'll share another example. Another wilderness that I often face personally is sorrow. You may or may not know this about me, but I can get very comfortable in melancholy. This world is a broken place, and sometimes the whole world feels like wilderness every way I turn. I know Edith mentioned the example today of what's going on with the Ahmad Aubrey um, stuff, <laughs> and, and that can feel like wilderness, is just longing for this broken world to just be fixed. And I'm so good at sitting in that, that longing sometimes. It can be so easy for me to be filled with doubt and filled with feelings of helplessness. Have you felt this way before? Sometimes the world is a lot to bear, but we are not meant to bear it alone. I'm not talking about never doubting or never feeling helpless. I'm talking about surrendering that to the Spirit. 
saying, Holy Spirit, guide me through this doubt. Maybe this doubt is the wilderness you're leading me to right now and guide me. Fill me with your truth, your hope, your strength, Spirit. I cannot do this on my own. And though the world is still a broken place before and after that prayer, sometimes it is in these moments of confronting the wilderness and those darkest parts of myself that the Spirit works. In those moments of utter helplessness, the Spirit says, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So today we talked about wilderness and feeling uncertain, afraid, and lost. We also learned that the Holy Spirit can fill us and equip us to navigate the wilderness. So how do you know if you are filled with the Spirit? Galatians 5 outlines this for us. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So there are some ideas. But hear me on this. You can do a bunch of things that look good. You can give away all your money. You can help out your neighbor. But if you do all these things and you don't show faithfulness, love, patience, and self-control in your life, you are not walking with the Spirit. So give yourself up. Only the Spirit can help you walk with the Spirit. Only the Spirit can fill you with itself so you can venture confidently into the unknown. How will you navigate the wilderness? Filled with your own sense of self-importance, your anger, your fear, your doubt, or filled with the Spirit? How are you relying on the Holy Spirit to get you through the most compelling temptations, the most uncertain circumstances, and the scariest moments of life? What will you be led by? Your people-pleasing, your desire for success, for comfort, for acclaim, or will you be led by the Spirit, even if it takes you right back to the wilderness? How can you be filled with the Spirit? Let go, subtract, empty. To do this, I, I recommend taking some time to know exactly what it is you're filled with, what is driving you. Do you want recognition, control, comfort? Is there something driving you to hide from the wilderness, to be afraid, or to tame and control the wilderness? Now let that go. Pray to let go of that part of you that says, I have to be in control, I have to be the smartest, the toughest, the best, or the part of you that says, I can't do this, it's impossible. Embrace the humility and weakness that Christ displayed on the cross and invite the Holy Spirit to work through you. This is not a story about doing more, but less. Facing the wilderness is about giving up all of you so that you can be filled with the Spirit. How are you allowing yourself to be filled by the Spirit? How are you allowing the Spirit to move in and through you to make God's name known? If this is the first time you're hearing about Jesus or the hundredth, I invite you to surrender yourself to Christ. Jesus Christ was crucified in order to bring restoration and wholeness to the whole world and to you. Allow yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit that can overcome the most difficult temptations. Subtract all that isn't from God and just let it go. Let go of your anger. Let go of your need to be right, to be enough, to be needed, to know it all. Let go of the need to feel safe, to avoid suffering, to have control. Just let it go and be filled with the Spirit.
You pray with me. Lord, pray that your spirit would fill each and every one of us. A lot of us are here today just with spiritual baggage, personal baggage we've been carrying for a really long time. Pray that you would help us let that go. And I know with these messages, sometimes it can still feel really ambiguous what that means to surrender, what that means to let go. And I pray that you would give each and every one of us clarity about that in the next coming days. What do we need to let go of? Lord, make that clear. And fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your presence that restores, that brings wholeness and hope. Lord, some of us are struggling with deep, deep challenges that we haven't even begun to confront yet. I pray that you would help us not be afraid of that darkness, that we wouldn't run away from that wilderness within us or outside of us, Lord. Would you empower us to take risks for your name to be known? Empower us to let go of our past, let go of our resentment, let go of the shame that does not come from you, our hearts are free in you, Lord. You restore. You bring wholeness. And we can't do this on your own, on our own. So would you fill us, Lord? Would you make us whole as we go forth in this week, Lord? I pray that you would just remind us to be filled by the Spirit and empty ourselves. In your name we pray. Amen. Sister, amen, amen. Praise the Lord indeed. Come on. Amen. So, so grateful for you, sister. And uh, yeah, yeah, we are encouraged by her words. It was a, uh, a, a reminder to all of us of the power of surrender. Uh, by surrendering, you are opening yourself up. You are willing to submit. And this gospel challenge that we just heard from Joanne is one that we all have to wrestle with. Many of us present have accepted the challenge. We've said, Lord, we will submit to you. We'll submit to your ways. We, we surrender. But if you heard the message today and still leave thinking you can go do more, you missed it. See, what she's offering is an opportunity for Jesus Christ to enter into your heart and for you to be able to be led by someone smarter, stronger, wiser, more equipped than you. So surrender. Today, give up the control. Allow God to lead you. And if you would like for the Lord to take hold of your heart and to lead you, then I encourage you to repeat this prayer after me. Lord, I submit to you. You are in control. I am not. You died on the cross so that I could be free from being in control, so that I could be in good relationship with the Father. Allow me to live for you and be filled by your Spirit. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And if you are a person that, that is wrestling with that and 
saying, I, I think I'm ready, I don't know, then keep coming back. Keep joining us. Keep connecting with us. We want to see you grow in Jesus.